Well, uh, my name's Ian. I'm one of the leaders here, if you uh, have never met me before. Um, and something you may not know about me is that I love a good book. I love a good novel. Man, I, you asked Denise, I could just lose myself in a novel for hours, days. It's a great way to relax. Uh, sometimes they're just silly and funny. Sometimes it's a good story. Uh, sometimes it's a bit like holding up a mirror to you. A bit like what's going on in there. Uh, now, I know some people who don't feel that way. They just want to skip to the end and find out how it finishes. They just get the book, turn to the back, see what the last couple of pages say. Job done. Uh, I think other people sometimes, and to be fair, I mean, I've had this experience a, f a few times. They start reading the first few pages and they just give up. A few pages, yeah. But in that case, you've missed out on so much. You've missed out on uh, all the experiences, all the ups and downs that the, the author wanted you to, to, to go through. Uh, you don't really get a sense of the importance and the, the joy of the end unless you've read through all the, the rest of it, unless you've gone through it, unless you've not suffered with the characters, with their, their, all of their ups and downs. So if you are someone who just wants to jump to the end, let me just help you for a moment with some of your reading. Okay? Now at this point, they say on the internet, on the TV, warning, spoiler alert. Okay, so uh, if you have ever thought about reading some classics of literature and haven't quite got there, uh, let me tell you that Frodo does destroy the ring and he saves Middle-earth. Let me tell you that Pierre does marry Natasha... And right there, then, I've just saved you 1,100 pages of The Lord of the Rings and, and probably a very large number of praises, pages of War and Peace. I can't tell you how many because I've never even picked that up. Um, I, I can't tell you the end of the, the Tamil book, uh, Then Murashu, as that is 2.3 million words, which apparently is the record, and I'm not even bothered to go <laughs> look at the end of that one. Uh, so hopefully that's just helped you with, with some, of your, some of your reading. And uh, yeah, the problem with that is you've missed out a lot. I mean, you've missed out an awful lot. You've missed out a lot of really, really great stuff. Some of it tragic to read, some of it fabulous to read, some of it joyful. Hopefully you get my point. Being patient and persevering has its rewards. It's good for us, and James agrees. So if you're taking notes today, or you just want a, a roadmap for, for where we're going, we're going to tackle this, this passage that Nick's just read for us under, under three headings. Uh, patience and persevering. Grumbling and giving your word. Condemnation and compassion. So patience and persevering, what, what does it look like to wait well as we're suffering? Grumbling and giving your word, what does it look like to wait badly when we're suffering? And condemnation and compassion, the end of our suffering and waiting. So that's where we're heading.
And like so much of James, if you've been with us for a few weeks, you will have got a, a sense of this. He, he's, uh, the letter that he's written to the churches is interwoven like different subjects, a bit like a big theological lasagna with sort of layers of pasta and meat. Um, and so we're going to strip those apart as we go into this. Uh, so you might want to keep the Bible open just so, as you're looking at that because we're going to bob backwards and forwards as, as we go through it. Uh, in fact, I mean, just to emphasize that, the, the subject James is writing about have already come up in his letter one way or another. Uh, you might remember Ben taking us through the, the first chapter of James. He talked a lot about suffering and trials in that chapter. A couple of weeks ago, we heard from chapter three about the importance of speech in our lives and taming the tongue. These subjects are coming up again, coming up again today. And like like many public speakers, James knows that sometimes we have to say the same thing a couple of times in order to get the point across. And that's what he's doing. He thinks these things are important, so he's going to write about them again. So I think we can say they're important. First of all then, our first point, patience and persevering. Look with me there back at verse 7. Be patient then, patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Uh, this seems to be following on from the passage Jai brought us last week. Uh, one writer says that James really is thinking in verse 7 about, about what he calls the continual pressure exercised by the powerful upon those of an inferior social or economic situation folks james is writing to many people today are feeling the world is unfair the way in which others seem to have what the world calls success or perhaps uh, power at least to be able to treat other people unfairly james's conclusion then is be patient Uh, in verse 8 again James says to us you too be patient and stand firm the, the idea of that is a bit more about uh, enduring long suffering in the hard circumstances of life the things that we, we all encounter whether rich or poor the things that are tough as we as we go through and certainly we know from the from the background of the book uh, that the people James wrote to were were enduring persecution in their lives they were very much minorities in the, in the cities and towns that they lived in the church was very small they, they must have felt felt very fragile sometimes there were rich landowners who seemed to have it in for them and that's all in addition to the regular Relationship issues, health issues, economic issues that we all, we all face in, in our lives. Many of, many of those hard circumstances were true for them and they're true for us 2,000 years later. That's why this is so relevant to us, so important for us. It is, it is important to talk about suffering because it, it's a big part of our lives. To be honest with you, it's a, it's a defining part of our experience. Uh, it, it's, in, it's important because we all, on one level or another, suffer. Or will suffer, or have just suffered. One, one 
speaker said, uh, we're all either currently suffering, we're just coming out of a season of suffering, or we're just going into a season of suffering. And that sounds so grim when you say it that way, doesn't it? It just sounds like... But, but, but it's true. It's true, but I want to be careful. It's not that within that there aren't, like that lasagna, there aren't layers mixed in with them of, of joy and good times and mountaintop experiences. Of course there are. There are many good and pleasing things that happen in our lives, but we have to be aware. If you've got any years under your belt, that suffering is always there, one level or another, interacting with us. How are we going to do it? How are we going to work our way through that with, with patience and uh, perseverance, as James is recommending to us? Is there, is there good fruit to be had, even as we suffer? James says yes. Yes, there is. He gives us a couple of his examples. First of all, back there in verse 7. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. The, the farmer is patient. Talks. I know there are a couple of people who have been farmers here. Farmers would have been familiar to everybody there. Uh, he talks about their, their patience as they're waiting for the autumn rains. That's the rains in Israel that would germinate the crops. And the spring rains, the rains that would then cause the crops to grow up and, and yield their fruit. But they have to be patient. I can remember the first year that we were in the, the Cayman Islands. We'd arrived there just after the end of the rainy season. And by the time it got to the end of March, beginning of April, everything looked so parched. Everything looked so dry. And uh, so I said to my boss at the time, we just passing the time, I said, so uh, when does it start to rain around here? He says, 21st of April. I'm like, well, that, that's really specific. I mean, that is really, like, ridiculously specific. 21st of April, <coughs> heaven's opened, poured it down. I have to say, it wasn't like that every year. I feel like it was a bit lucky just to just to get the, year, the, the day exactly right, but, but wow. But, but for all that time, yeah, the crops, the, the trees, everything looks pretty scorched, pretty, pretty, pretty barren. If you're looking at your lawn right now, you're waiting for the rains. Yorkshire water is sure as they will look fine after it rains again. Mm, hope so. We've got to be patient. We've got to wait. James also gives us the example of uh, the prophets. The prophets in the Old Testament, verse 10. Uh, an example of patience in the face of suffering. We're not sure exactly which ones he's got in mind. Certainly, probably when you read them, certainly Jeremiah wrote a thought. Uh, probably, uh, yeah, probably Isaiah, probably uh, Ezekiel, I don't know. Uh, when you read the Bible, most of them suffered and most of them had to persevere. I mean, most of them had difficult seasons somewhere in their, in their lives. Perhaps most of all, they had to be patient. Because they were talking about the Messiah, the chosen one of God, 
Jesus coming. And they knew that they weren't going to see him at that point, or they suspected they wouldn't see him. Knowing that they would not experience what they were talking about this side of heaven. Both examples, both examples end in, in, in a result that's fruitful, right? There's a harvest of food for the farmer, the faithful proclamation of God's message by the prophets, even, even preserved for us today. This, in one way, the, the, the Old Testament here is the fruit of what James is talking about there. Fabulous. And this is the pattern that we see all over the Bible. It's the pattern of the experience in our lives, suffering and then fruit, suffering and then glory. This is why James tells us to be patient and persevere. Whether in, in this life or when we meet Jesus, we will see the harvest. Be patient and persevere, it is not in vain. But no one wants to suffer, right? I mean, you know, we're not masochists. No one wants to suffer. We want this to be over. But until it is, James is saying, don't just grin and bear it. Not just stiff up a lip. There will be days like that. There will be days when that's all we can do. Well, days when that is the best we can do. But suffering should not be a passive thing. Suffering should be an intentional thing. It's an active thing. There are things that we can do, things we are called to do during those times and during those seasons. You will know yourself better when you persevere through a season of suffering. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that information, that, that, that stuff that you've learnt about yourself going through the, the, that hard, those hard times while you've waited? Hopefully you'll know God better having gone through that season, having gone through that time. What are you going to do with that? What does that mean for you and in your life? It can mean a whole host of different things. You may know your sin better. You may be more acquainted with your sin. You may know the mercy and compassion of God better. What will you do with that information? It's not a, it's not a oh yeah, that's true. We've learned that for a reason. What reason? It's different for each one of us in each circumstances. But, but these things should make our prayers more authentic, more fervent as we pray. It should make our, our reading of the Bible more frequent and, and enriching as, as we go through those times. Um, hopefully we've had an opportunity to grow personally hopefully that God's going to use our patience and perseverance to make us a bit more like Jesus we may have had opportunities for evangelism we may have been brought into contact with people who we never met before who we didn't know before who need to hear the word of God who need to hear about Jesus we may have a, an insight into some Something that we decide we want to campaign about. Some kind of injustice that we're now aware of. That maybe even we've experienced ourselves. We may have new opportunities to love others. We might not be able to care for people in the way we used to. But new doors, new avenues are open to us now. We have new ways to love and care for each other perhaps. Now we've suffered. 
we also have the opportunity to let others love us as we suffer. How can people use the gifts God has given them to encourage and, and love each other unless people let them love them and encourage them? Yeah, it's both sides of the equation. If one doesn't happen, the other one won't happen. It, it can't do. Perhaps as we wait, we have, we have a season or, or, or times in, in, in our life of, of enforced quietness. We might have a new opportunity to praise God in that, to sing him praises. As we wait, we may have more time to sit with people and talk with them. They can help us carry our burdens and we can help them carry their, their burdens. Galatians chapter 6. There's so much more to be said on that. You could do a whole sermon series on all that. Don't panic. We're not going to right now. Maybe another time. So briefly, having thought about patience and persevering and what it is to wait well, let's think about waiting not so well. Let's talk about grumbling and giving your word. Uh, our second point. Now, you know, waiting badly, guess what, looks the opposite of waiting well for a lot of these things. You know, isolating from your church instead of leaning into your church. Isolating from God by not praying, by not reading his word. Not letting others into your life to help you. Not reaching out to help others in their lives, even as they're reaching into you. Not worshipping God, being passive, sitting back. However, there are a couple of places here in this passage where James specifically wants to talk about a couple of things. Things that we say. Uh, the fact that they're, they're intermingled with, with passages on, on waiting and suffering seems to indicate that these two thoughts are, are linked in, in what James is, is, is writing. And the first one is, is that in the midst of, well, I suppose both of them, in, in the midst of suffering, the people of God can be tempted to forget what James said in chapter 3 about taming your tongue. And the first off, first line is grumbling. Look there, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. Uh, the word grumbling, for all the Greek geeks out there, the uh, word grumbling is stenazo, uh, which is usually used for uh, the vocalisation of stress by the people of God when they're suffering or when they're being judged. But we want, to, we want to be careful with this. We want to be clear with this before we, we go too far. When we're suffering, when we're enduring personal pain, when there's conflict around us, when we can see that things are not right, it's good to talk about it. We're not saying don't talk about it. It's good to talk about it. In fact, it's healthy. We want to be authentic as a, as a church. We want to be authentic as a family. When we hurt, we need, we need to say, Ouch. When we're troubled, we need to say help. It's vital that we're, we're, real, we're real with each other. That's, that's super important, right? James isn't talking about that here. He's not talking about that in verse 9. He's talking about the tendency we have when the, the pressure's on just to grumble about things. I want to say, I want to almost say like grumble. I don't mean grumble, grumble, grouchy. Just little things. Just little, yeah, little things going on. 
particularly about others, about other people. See that? Others in the church, just a low level of complaint and criticism, grumbling along. Kind of negative view of things and, and people. Hopefully people aren't aware they're doing it, and, and in many ways it's a very human reaction, but, but it's, it's unwarranted, it's not helpful, and in terms of church relationships, it can be deadly. It can be deadly. Now, praise God, I'm, I'm not aware we've got much of that going on at REC here, but we need to watch our mouths, we need to watch our mouths carefully because that is such a, a natural response to stress and suffering and pressure and waiting. But secondly, and, and again in terms of our speech, uh, James is also critical of, of swearing an oath. Verse 12, Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise you will be condemned. Uh, there's some debate here about whether verse 12 really sits with this bit of James or the next bit of James that we're doing next week. Uh, it's pretty balanced as to which one it should sit with. You pay your money and take your choice. We've put in with this week. And I think you'll get a sense of why when you, when you just hear about uh, how James is linking this to, to suffering, I think. Um, I want to suggest that what he's saying is that, that when the circumstances are, are stacked against us, we maybe want to reassure others. We want to reassure others that what we've said is, can be relied on, that it, that it's, or maybe that it's true. That although in this, this season of persecution, uh, others can't be relied on, we can. Uh, perhaps... Uh, in this time of stress uh, our words and actions haven't been reliable but they can be now and you know this because I'm going to swear by dot 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 different cultures, different times, different things I'm going to swear on my mother's grave I'm going to swear on I'm going to swear by as somebody is my witness whatever um there should be no need for us to do that. James is saying, look, there's no need to do that. Why? Because our reputation should be such that if we've said something is true, that it is true. And if we commit to something, then to the best of our ability, we're going to get it done. Bear in mind, James chapter 4, things might change. God's sovereign, all this stuff. We don't want to hold that super tight. And... and you know, we, we, we shouldn't need to do that. As he says that, yes is yes, no is no. Um, we've pointed out before, as we've gone through James, how so much of what James has written is actually from the Sermon on the, on the Mount. And so in Matthew chapter 5, 37, Jesus says exactly the same thing on exactly the same subject. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. It's a command. You don't need to swear by all these things otherwise as James says you will be condemned let's be, let's be clear we're not, just as an aside we're not talking about uh, witness statements in court taking an oath there we're not talking about 
um, what's it called certifying a document or something like that. It's not none of that stuff. We're talking about um, yeah, making an oath to reinforce what we said, casually, a friend, or, or more formally, to reinforce what we're going to do. Well, that all sounds nice, doesn't it? But what's the point? You know, what's the point of, you know, patience and perseverance is hard work. You know that. You guys know that. What, what's the point of, of not grumbling? You know, I've got a right to grumble. I've been, you know, I'm suffering. I've got a right to grumble. My circumstances are dire. The relationships in my family are broken. The society around me seems to be so wrong. Why should I keep on keeping on? Our third point there. Condemnation and compassion. If patients during suffering and healthy speech while we're waiting are James's first two subjects, then the third one here is the return of Jesus. The return of Jesus. Look with me there back at verse 9. The judge is standing at the door. Now, unless James is talking about some random group of high court judges that are hanging around outside people's door, doorways or something, he's not talking about an earthly judge in that way. No, he's talking about Jesus, the Son of God who will return, and when he does so, he will judge the living and the dead. And that's everybody. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Jesus will destroy forever those who have not put their faith in Jesus. Like any good judge, he's going to condemn the guilty to a just sentence. The crime is sin. We, the accused, are guilty as charged. And the sentence is death. No parole, commutation of sentence, we're rightly condemned. However, look at verse 11. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Jesus sees our suffering, the oppression of his people, the strained and the broken relationships, the poverty, the crime, injustice, dysfunction, and he is grieved. He is heartbroken. As, as Nick prayed, it's not supposed to be like this. And God has compassion on all such circumstances. Well, okay. You might say, if he cares that much about it, what's he done about it? If it's that important, what has Jesus done about it? He has done the best thing he could do. He has deployed his most valuable resource. He has sent his best man for the job. He has come himself. He has come himself, the best person of his own choice. He has chosen to enter into the world he made as a baby. Denise was having a, a, a quick cuddle with baby David this morning. What a cutie. Jesus was the same. He was the same. We, I can confidently say we've all been a baby at some point. Uh, and Jesus was the same. And like all of us, he suffered. Jesus suffered in his life. He was financially poor. He lost his father early on in his life. He was... He was oppressed by Roman occupiers, by a foreign power. He lived, and that meant he lived as a refugee 
He lived as a refugee in Egypt. His family thought he was crazy. He was given a job to do that was, was incredibly hard. He was betrayed by a close friend. He was abandoned by all of his friends. He was given a show trial by a corrupt court. He was accused of something he had not done. He was humiliated. He was beaten. He was tortured. He suffered an agonising death. Trust me, Jesus knows what it is to suffer. More than any of us. Because when he died and paid the penalty for the sins of his people, that was pain none of us can ever know. That was a pain none of us can ever experience. Nobody has suffered more than Jesus. Yet, he persevered through it. He was patient with it. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen for, for all of his existence. And yet he still came of his own accord. He still persevered through it. He knew that as our judge, he was going to have to condemn the guilty. He knew that was the, the deal. Rightly so. No, no judge lets off guilty people. And so he suffered for us and served the sentence. He paid the price for our sin, a sentence we could not serve, a price we could never pay. He died in our place. That is the mercy and compassion of God. Right there. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He comes and suffers and dies for us. The Bible says, let us run with perseverance, the race marked for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Scorning its shame. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Get that for the joy set before him. The results of his patience and his waiting and his suffering for his perseverance was joy. When he was with his, in the presence of God the Father. Jesus is the ultimate model of what it looks like to wait when you're suffering, to be patient and to persevere. He's earned the right through his suffering to say to us, be patient, persevere, place your trust in me, turn your back on your sins and follow me. Without, without this, if we, if we don't do this, then the end of our suffering is only condemnation for our sins. What a, what a, how pointless. That's like you've read the book and you don't read the last, the last bit. You've gone through all the, all the tough stuff, but you, you, there's no fruit. Instead, through, through believing in Jesus, mercy is freely ours. That's our motivation. That's our motivation when we're suffering. 
while we wait that at the end there is the fruit of being with God forever. We can be patient because in the end it is worth it. Because, spoiler alert, Jesus comes back. He comes back and his people get to experience eternity with him. Verse 11, we are considered blessed, just as Job was blessed. Blessed because our relationship with God has been fully restored and we live face to face with him. Now that's worth it. Now that is worth it. What a great ending to wait for. Let's pray.